Live around the globe, it's time for Rudy Max's World on the SSI Radio Network. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bare man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I travel, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. Get on the phone now and call 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. Email the program at info at rudymaxa.com or follow us on Facebook at Rudy Max's World. And now, America's number one travel radio show, Rudy Max's World. Welcome aboard. This indeed is Rudy Max's World with Robert Mary Carey. Happy Memorial Day to all of you out there. We hope wherever you're hearing today's show that you're enjoying a pleasant holiday weekend. If you were tuned in last hour, I shared that we're doing today's show a little different with Mary and me giving you some travel news to start the hour. Then we'll be sharing some top guests that Rudy, Mary, and I have had on the program so far in 2015. So Mary, let's get right to it. Any other news out there you want to share? Uh, Sure. When was the last time you said wow after taking a flight? It's not often. It's not often <laughs> well, at all. Well, now you can say it before, during, and after as WOW. Yes, that's W-O-W. WOW Airlines has begun service to Iceland from Baltimore, which follows service it started from Boston back in late March. Fares out of Baltimore range from $159 to $351 one way. And on WOW, you'll pay for checked luggage, heavier carry-on bags, seat selection, and seats with extra room. None of those charges WOW me. But if you pack light and don't care where you sit, Uh, Check them out and go visit Iceland or continue on with them to London Gatwick or Copenhagen from these two U.S. airports. The world's longest and highest glass bottom bridge is opening in July of 2015 in a national park in China's Hunan province. Spanning two cliffs, it will stretch 1,400 feet 20 feet wide and hover over a 984 vertical drop. To give you a comparison, the Grand Canyon Skywalk is a mere 69 feet in length and about 700 feet above the canyon floor. This new bridge in China can hold up to 800 visitors at a time and will also boast the world's highest bungee jump. Of course, why not? Well, well, if you're interested in flying on Delta Airlines, don't look for their flights on TripAdvisor, Fare Compare, or Cheapo Air anymore. In fact, Delta has removed its schedule and fare information from over a dozen sites, adding to industry tensions over the way travelers shop for flights on the Internet. The move is part of a broader push by airlines to restrict how and whether sites can use their fare and schedule data. American and United also recently adopted similar policies, allowing them to limit how these sites use their data as carriers are increasingly pushing flyers to their own sites, something Southwest Airlines has been doing for years now. And that leads us to an interview Rudy did with a friend of the show, Joe Brancatelli, back in mid-February involving Expedia's planned acquisition of Orbitz. Let's take a listen. All right. So Expedia paid a little over one, well, almost $1.4 billion to buy its smaller competitor competitor called Orbitz.com. Expedia now owns Travelocity, Hotels.com, Hotwire, and about 100 other brands across more than 60 countries. For years, Travelocity and Orbitz were Expedia's main competitors, no more now. I asked Joe Brancatelli of JoeSentMe.com what this means to consumers. Joe, good news, bad news, no news. Uh, well, hello, Rudy. And first thing, I, I, I feel compelled to say this. Beware yes. of airports offering free fruit. That's all I do. <laughs> uh, because nothing in travel is as it seems. And, and <laughs> this is the point, I think, of, of what we're looking at with Expedia's buy. I have to admit... I've been covering this stuff for a long time. Even I didn't get how concentrated what they, what they call the OTA market, OTA meaning online travel agency. 
three companies, Expedia, Priceline, and TripAdvisor, which used to be part of Expedia, now control 95% of the online travel bookings. And they are an endless series of phony shops. You went through some of what Expedia owns. Priceline is also Booking.com, Kayak, Open Table, TripAdvisor is Booking Buddy, FlipKey, which is a competitor to HomeAway and Airbnb. And they also own a thing laughingly called Independent Traveler. But basically, <laughs> wherever you go on the Internet now that's not an airline, hotel, car rental, or uh, travel cruise line manager, website. You'll yeah. book, or cruise line, you're yeah. booking one of the three big online travel agents. So, but is this, you know, I, I, my first reaction is, well, you know, it's getting too big, it's a monopoly. But when you and I talked about coming on the show, you suggested, well, wait a minute, it gives them more pricing power in dealing with airlines, hotel, well, primarily hotels and, and, you know, vacation package places. Well, no, airlines as well. Uh, and while it gives them more power on pricing, that doesn't mean they'll lower the prices for customers. That means well, they'll that's take true. a bigger right. They'll take a bigger percentage of the retail sale for themselves before they pass it on to the travel provider. The reason why that could be good for the average traveler is the more you talk to airlines, hotels packagers, cruise lines, the more they complain to you about how big a bite the Expedias and price lines are taking, that makes them more interested in getting you to book directly with them. That means they may come back to you with incentives and saying, look, book direct with us. In fact, we're seeing this in many cases. Uh, you know, Marriott says, if you're part of our frequency program and you book with us, you'll get your internet for free, which you can't get if you book through Expedia. Okay, so I hope to see that because the 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 big losers here are actually the travel providers, mm -hmm. as these online travel agencies get bigger, they will come to us and say, "Come direct to us. Let's cut out that middleman, and we'll cut a new deal for you." So there is there is hope there. I think. Yeah, I think for listeners who don't study this as closely as as the few demented people that, that like you and me, Joe may not understand there is a lot of tension between an airline airline websites hotel websites you know cruise line websites and these online travel agencies expedia hotwire uh, orbits travelocity etc they really don't like these guys because they have to pay them a commission when you book through them so that that's the point that joe's making is uh, is they now expedia certainly has extraordinary amount of power now controlling travelocity and orbits as well i think they're going to keep the brands isn't that your understanding joe Absolutely. It's to their advantage. I mean, it's the same reason why Starbucks also owns Seattle's best. You mm. want to give the consumer the illusion. At least the illusion of, of, <laughs> the illusion of choice. Exactly. <laughs> but, but truly, and, and while I'm, as you know, we're all demented, as you said, Rudy, I, mm -hmm. I plead doubly guilty to that. Um, there are plenty of options to book. The airlines, and we can say this to go back to history, which is always dangerous. The airlines thought they were in control of the game 20 years ago when they stopped paying most commission to the what we now call the bricks and mortar traditional travel agencies. All they right. said, okay, we got the power. Well, guess what? By doing that, they brought, they totally missed the online and the internet revolution. So now they have three players who are much more dangerous to them than any bricks and mortar travel agencies. 
So they have to compete there against now. Then they now have to compete for their own product against these guys. But guess who's making a comeback? Traditional bricks and mortar travel agencies, yes, because airlines, cruise lines, travel packages are going to them, saying, "Let's be friends again, <laughs> because we'll give you back, we'll give you a little more commission money. Go get customers." So, until the day comes when airlines, hotels, and travel age and and travel packages and cruise lines are 100% you have to book directly with them, there'll be players out there that will be fighting for your business, and I think that's good. And there'll be people following it like Joe Brancatelli. May I suggest you go to joesentme.com and subscribe to his newsletter. It's not just Joe. He's got a collection of excellent travel writers writing on all kinds of different topics, uh, from hotels to food. joesentme.com. Joe, thanks very much. Always a pleasure. Have a great holiday. We'll be right back with our pilot, Patrick Smith. Connect with America's number one travel radio show by calling 800-387-8025 or follow the program at RudyMaxa.com. We'll be right back. While no one can stop all identity theft, identity thieves are ruthless at what they do. And while nobody can monitor transactions at every business, LifeLock Ultimate Plus is comprehensive identity theft protection, helping to protect your identity, your bank and retirement accounts, credit cards, even the equity in your home. Visit LifeLock.com now or call and use my special promo code RUDY for a 10% discount. That's promo code RUDY to get a special 10% discount. Call 800-637-8149. 800-637-8149. 800-637-8149. If you're seeking the adventure of a lifetime, a fun trip that's unlike any you've ever experienced, then it's time to visit Iceland. Yes, Iceland. Right now, the Icelandic Tourism Bureau offers Rudy Max's world listeners exclusive trips that can't be beat, like the Iceland Luxury Tour or the Around Iceland's Ring Road. Packages are amazing eight-day, seven-night trips starting around $1,600 per person. The experiences and exclusives you'll receive are outstanding. Check these special offers out at rudymaxa.com and click on the link to Iceland Tourism Bureau. If you've got aches, pains, and soreness, it could be chronic inflammation. Listen to what Georgia has to say about relief factor. Over the years, I've had several injuries. I have had lots of pain, and it's been hard for me to exercise. Now, I'm much more active, so I'm losing weight, and I feel better. I would recommend it to anyone. For more information about Relief Factor and the two-week quick start for just $19.95, go to relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. Ah, springtime, mower riding time. No, four flat tires. Yeah, my bike has a flat tire. And my dirt bike, too. Honey, the wheelbarrow and the trailers have flat tires. Springtime, schming time. Ah. Dear, wake up. I had the worst nightmare. All of our tires were flat. It's okay. We use slime tire sealant. Oh, slime makes it easy to prevent flat tires. Time to roll. Yeah, let's roll. Get ready for spring with slime. Prevent flat tires and all of your off-road and trailer tires. Bicycles, dirt bikes. Now save $1 on the slime. 16-ounce bottle at Advance Auto Parts. This is Robert Carey, and you're listening to an encore presentation of Rudy Max's World this Memorial Day weekend. Or visit the show online at RudyMaxa.com. Welcome back to Rudy Max's World. It is 18 past the hour here in Rudy Max's World. This is Robert Mary Carey. As we like to do each week, we decided to jump aboard and wanted to talk today about the Delta Flight Museum. So how many of you out there are headed to Atlanta or through Atlanta? Did you know that there's the Delta Flight Museum? It just opened last August. 
Previously, it had opened back in 1995, and then uh, it was for employees and retirees and friends of Delta. They closed in 2012, renovated for the public, opened last August. Uh, So we decided we wanted to invite John Boatwright, the chairman and president of the Delta Museum. Had an opportunity to meet him last week while I was in Atlanta. And the museum, literally, it's in the Delta compound. It's just steps away from the airport, two or three minute car ride. And what you'll find is a thorough history of Delta. So if you are an aviation fan or you want to test your skills to be your own pilot, they've got a great simulator that's there, a number of planes. So we thought we would invite John onto the program and talk a little bit about the history of Delta and what's available at the Delta Flight Museum. Hi, John. Welcome to Rudy Max's World. Thanks for being with us today. It's my pleasure, Mary. I look forward to speaking with you. John, I, I want to thank you very much for the time last week. I enjoyed the opportunity to come through the museum to meet you and Tiffany and Brian on your team. I've already made it a point, I've told Rudy, that we're going to need to take the show to Atlanta sometime soon and do a broadcast from the Delta Flight Museum, and I challenged him to a a fly-off in the simulator, which we'll get to in a minute or so. But again, thank you for the hospitality last week. Well, it was our pleasure, and we certainly look forward to having you on site and, and doing your show in the near future and just to telling your listeners a little bit about the Delta Flight Museum. Well, so, so right now you have that opportunity. Tell folks about the Delta Museum. Tell a little bit about the history of Delta, and then we'll get into a few other things as well. Okay, great. First of all, just a brief on the history of Delta. In the uh, late 1920s, 1928 specifically, Delta was formed as Delta Air Service. And during the early beginnings, uh, crop dusting was the center of focus because the boll weevil was eating up cotton down in the Mississippi Delta. Mm -hmm. And so the crop dusting operations began. And then in 1929, C.E. Woolman, Delta's founder, saw the opportunity of Delta passenger service. And on June 17, 1929, we began the passenger service operation. From there then, Delta grew into just from the Mississippi Delta and extending to the west out to Dallas, Texas, and then to the east over ultimately to Atlanta and Charleston, and then began Florida up and down the East Coast routes, but still really a regional and Southeast airline, you know, as Delta grew through mergers and acquisitions. Uh, well, one thing I want to point out, though, because as you just said, Delta Airlines, people are flying, you know, uh, uh, daily with all the flights that you have. It started off as a crop dusting company. And then yeah. also the mail delivery service really was very important in the formation of the company early on. And I know you have something there at the museum. You have uh, multiple planes and so forth. And there's one in particular I'm sure that you're very proud of, isn't there? Yes, and and the DC-3 is the the centerpiece of what we call the prop era. That's the beginnings of the airline. And, of course, I mentioned the crop dusting, and we have a replica of one of the original Huff-Dalen dusters, crop duster, but the DC-3 that we have, Ship 41, was the first actual DC-3 to enter into passenger service for Delta. And it was acquired on Christmas Eve in 
1941 and began service with Delta. About uh, how many passengers would the DC-3 handle? The DC-3 at that time was 23, I believe. Okay, I, I, but that's a lot at that time. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because, because your prior aircraft, like the another airplane we have is the the Travel Air Stenson, and that was... That had like five people, I think, didn't it? Well, five five passengers and a crew of two. Okay. And did I see, is it, who restored it? Was it restored by former employees of Delta? Well, it was a combination of active and retired Delta employees and volunteering their time to restore it. Actually, here in the the two hangars that are the original Delta hangars that that Delta moved into, the first one in 1941 and the second one in 1947. But the DC-3 was restored in these hangars beginning in the mid-90s. That was a labor of love. It took about four to five years to do the complete restoration because it literally was rebuilt to the new specifications of when it came off the Douglas line in 1941. Okay. So interesting, um, the employees of Delta and their love and loyalty for their company, which leads us into the next exhibit piece that you have. You have a Delta Boeing 767, known as the Spirit of Delta. Yes. And uh, tell us how that came about and how that was purchased. Well, and, and that ties in perfectly to the mission of the museum that we have, which is to celebrate the, the heritage of Delta our culture and our people and this is the home of delta active and retired employees and for people to experience the history of aviation and the future of flight you know having been a longtime employee of delta going back to 1972 um, in the early 1980s 1982 specifically three flight attendants approached our then chairman and ceo and said we have an idea Delta's going through some tough times right now mm-hmm. because you had fuel issues in the early 80s. You had what was taking place as the airline deregulation yeah. occurred. And so as a result, it, it was a tough time in the industry. And so the employees with the generation from these three flight attendants bought this Boeing 767 for Delta at a cost of over $30 million dollars paid for the airplane out of their paychecks over a period of approximately three years and presented the airplane to Delta with no mortgage on it. And the Spirit of Delta was donated by the employees to the airline. No other airline before or since has ever had an aircraft donated No, to that speaks no. volumes. That's an unbelievable And story. to see I that again, that uh, you, you get an opportunity to go onto that plane at the Delta Flight Museum. The first class section is intact. The back part of the plane has been turned into a museum itself with just a whole history of the flight attendant uniforms and other collectibles and so forth. Again, the museum itself, it's adjacent to the Atlanta airport, busiest airport in the country. It's a two, three-minute car ride from the airport, a taxi ride over. If you're going to be in Atlanta this year, uh, I certainly would recommend it. You need a few hours to go through it. You'll get the history of Delta. You'll get to enjoy some aircraft. 
that they have there. You'll see the L1011. And the simulator. Uh, and, and, and the, and the Let's simulator. Not so, the simulator. Yeah. so that right now, John, as I said to Rudy, it's a 737-200 series. It's the actual simulator, I believe, up until last September that he, your pilots were actually training on. And you, you get a chance to go in with an instructor and fly the 737-200. It's about an hour you can rent it for, I believe, to go in, correct? Yes, up, up to four people for one hour for the experience. Uh, you get to choose the airports you want to take off and land. You get to choose the airports that you, you want to see. You can fly daytime, nighttime. And it's an experience that uh, is unmatched anywhere. It's the only commercial simulator in the U.S. that is open to the public for aviation enthusiasts and those that want to be aviation enthusiasts to have the opportunity to sit behind the yoke and actually take off and land the airplane. Yeah, this is, this is not a video game. This is the actual <laughs> simulator. That, that, this is the real motion. Yeah, real absolutely. Deal. And as you said, the only one in, in the country. Well... John Boatwright, we will look forward to bringing Rudy Max's world to the Delta Flight Museum later this year. I uh, really appreciate your time today in, in joining us on the show. And again, thank you for the hospitality while we were down there last week to visit. We really appreciate the opportunity of speaking with you, and we look forward to seeing you back here very soon. Sounds great. Thank John. you, John. Bye. If you're going to be in Atlanta this summer or plan a trip or you're going to be flying with Delta through the Atlanta airport and you want to check out the Delta Flight Museum, just go to deltamuseum.org, and you'll find all of the information about the Delta Flight Museum. So, all right, up next, you can hear Rudy. He's getting himself ready. He'll be back uh, momentarily. He's going to be talking to John Kavalik. John is a senior policy advisor at the U.S.-Cuba Trade and Economic Council. So that should be a fun uh, interview coming up, talking about trade and travel in Cuba. So stick with us. Rudy Max's World will return in three minutes. Join Rudy Max's world by calling 800-387-8025. Access the show anytime at RudyMaxa.com. We're coming right back. If you're seeking an adventure of a lifetime, an easy trip that's unlike any you've ever experienced, then it's time for Iceland. Yes, Iceland. The Icelandic Tourism Bureau offers Rudy Max's World listeners exclusive trips that can't be beat, like the Reykjavik four-star city break with spa and northern lights tour, or the Iceland escape for a unique spa and nature break tour. These are four-day, three-night trips starting around $500 per person. Seriously. Go to RudyMaxa.com and click on the Iceland Tourism Bureau link for these great trips and more. Performance Bicycle, where great rides begin, wants your great ride to start now. Now through Memorial Day, it's the Red Tag Sale at PerformanceBike.com. Over 1,000 items on sale, plus free shipping, red tag deals on helmets, clothing, parts, accessories, and hundreds of bikes are priced to sell now. Plus 50 doorbusters at 50% off, but only while supplies last. Don't miss Performance Bicycles Red Tag Sale plus free shipping at performancebike.com.
phone line. This is Mary Carey, and you're listening to an encore presentation of Rudy Max's World this Memorial Day weekend. At RudyMaxa.com. Now, back to Rudy Max's World. At 33 minutes after the hour, this segment is brought to you by ReliefFactor.com. Now, again, if you're a regular listener to the show, you know we've been talking about Relief Factor for the last few weeks. They're a relatively new sponsor, and we've gotten a couple letters from folks who have taken advantage of Relief Factor, and... Uh, I'll, I'll let you trust them. Um, Alicia in Memphis, Tennessee, wrote us to say that she'd been in a knee brace for 10 years since college because of pain. She was seeing a chiropractor as often as three times a week, and uh, she bought some relief factor. She uh, heard about it on the show, and she says she's now 100% free of pain. No more pain, no more chiropractor, and uh, she says she's finally in control of her life. And from Panama City, Florida, a listener named Rhonda wrote to say that for years she's been struggling with aches and pains all over her body, and her husband, Keith, Heard about Relief Factor on the show, ordered it for her, and in about two weeks, Rhonda said she was feeling better and is now out of pain. Um, you know, Relief Factor is all natural ingredients, none of those chemicals you get in a lot of uh, uh, other uh, products that promise to relieve your pain. Um, and you can try it out now for just $19.95. Just $19.95. If you suffer from aches, pains, or inflammation, check out relieffactor.com and uh, join uh, Rhonda and Alicia and see if. Uh, See if it does the trick for you. Just go to relieffactor.com or go to rudymaxa.com, to the homepage. Go to rudymaxa.com on the homepage and just click on Relief Factor. A lot easier that way. We talked earlier this, uh, this show about uh, the beginning of ferry service, perhaps, perhaps as early as uh, late this summer. I wanted to revisit Cuba generally with a guest we had on, John Kavalik. He's a senior policy advisor at the U.S.-Cuba Trade and Economic Council. It's a nonprofit group of businesses who have had an acute interest in in doing business someday in Cuba, and uh, this has been around for years. And we talked with John right after the White House, after the president announced a relaxation of rules regarding visiting Cuba. Of course, now we have both presidents shaking hands, and uh, I wanted to have John back to ask him if he thought. Well, let me let me let me start with that, John. Do, do you th are things moving along faster than you might have expected? Are relations warming faster than you might have expected? The perception of warmth is moving much faster than the reality. The actual um, warming of the relationship remains in a snail-like pace, and that's primarily because the Cuban government has been waiting to come off what's called the sanctions list. President Obama has done that. That takes effect at the end of May, the last okay. week. And then for the embassies to be reestablished, that's probably the next 60 days or so. So the Cubans have been incredibly cautious because they recognize that although from the United States standpoint, we think everything is awesome and fantastic, the ferries and expanded uh, uh, category, categories, uh, the charter flights, and all that, from the Cuban standpoint, the United States brings one result, and that is disruptive. Well, that's, so what, that's what I was going to ask you. Are they wary of not only, okay, let, let's think of what kind of disruption it could be. You tell me, but I can think right offhand, political disruptions, people coming in with all kinds of ideas about freedom of the press, et cetera, and then just, just an overwhelming number of people where they, in, in a country that doesn't have the infrastructure, certainly Havana, to deal with that. Uh, all of that is true. Uh, you know, there are components in the Cuban society and Cuban government who say, and, and I'll use, you know, the Alan Gross and the issue with what he was doing in Cuba, uh, knowingly, was there to disrupt Cuban society. Now, it was a little different because he was under the gov government contract. But 
from the Cuban standpoint, 10, 20, 30,000 Alan Grosses running around, potentially infecting the commercial, economic, and political structures of Cuba. Now, it's not that gripping, so I don't mean to, you know, it's like not our man in Havana sort of thing. Right. But right. it's still, you know, they have an infrastructure, it's already straining. And um, so this is, you know, they're going to be incredibly cautious to make certain that whatever they permit, they can control. And operationally, they don't want to give people a bad experience because, you know, someone has a good experience, they sell, they tell 10 people. Someone has a bad experience, they tell 100 people. And with social media, it gets even worse. So, you know, they're, they've got a huge amount of demand. They've got far less capacity. And so, you know, my recommendation to everyone is that if you want to go, make sure you go legally and be patient in terms of the process. In the minute we have left, tell me what your clients or your members, that is business, uh, how, how, is there any warming about doing business there? Thus far, the Cuban government has not um, initiated any moves to accept President Obama's December initiatives for expanding building material supplies, agriculture equipment and supplies, credit card processing, communications, telecommunications. None of that the Cubans have allowed thus far. And there's, you know, potentially um, a big one, the ferries that have just been announced. The Cubans haven't said anything yet. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so everyone is waiting, waiting to see, you know, what they decide to do. Um, you know, there, there's a, there is a little bit of frustration. They haven't purchased any additional food or agriculture products. And then President Obama said, too, hey, if you've got a beauty salon in Havana and you're selling Paul Mitchell hair products, well, we want you to be able to buy those Paul Mitchell products from a distributor in Miami. Well, the Cuban government doesn't allow that. So everyone's <laughs> waiting to see just what they're going to allow. All right, Paul, uh, John Kavalik is a senior policy advisor at the U.S.-Cuba Trade and Economic Council. It's a nonprofit group of businesses. John, thanks for returning to the show. We're going to check in with you as this evolves, if you don't mind. Not at all. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Nice to, be, nice to hear your voice again. Uh, by the way, his website is cubatrade.org. We'll be right back. Rudy Max's world phone lines are open anytime. So call us at 800-387-8025. And so is the website at rudymaxa.com. Stay with us. We're coming right back after these messages. I could either ignore it or face it. My child had trouble grasping math concepts. You don't want your kids to fail at math. You want them to have confidence and the skills to take them where their dreams are. Math Made Easy wants to make you an offer. They'll improve your student's grade by at least one full grade or your money back. Teachers can't slow the pace for each student. Math Made Easy can. For more than 20 years, Math Made Easy has been helping hundreds of thousands of students grasp challenging math concepts using a step-by-step -step approach. The affordable Math Made Easy programs help students visualize math concepts with engaged and dynamic lessons. Students learn at their own pace. Call 1-800-USA-MATH. That's 1-800-USA-M-A-T-H. Or visit mathmadeeasy.com. Enter code R6 for a special discount. Call 1-800-872-6284. Or visit mathmadeeasy.com. And enter code R6 for a special discount. Now. Want a bright start to summer? Ask Sherwin-Williams during the Sunny Day Sale and save 30% on paints and stains May 17th through the 25th. With colors like pool blue, organic green, and daffodil, we've got everything you need to add a splash of color. 
visit your neighborhood Sherwin-Williams paint store and save. Find your nearest store at SherwinWilliams.com slash sale. Retail sales only. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. Performance Bicycle, where great rides begin, wants your great ride to start now. Now through Memorial Day, it's the Red Tag Sale at PerformanceBike.com. Over 1,000 items on sale, plus free shipping, red tag deals on helmets, clothing, parts, accessories, and hundreds of bikes are priced to sell now. Plus 50 doorbusters at 50% off, but only while supplies last. Don't miss Performance Bicycle's Red Tag Sale, plus free shipping at PerformanceBike.com. At DeVry University's Keller Graduate School of Management, we're looking for the driven, those determined to stand on their own merits, but never stand still. If you're this kind of student, you're our kind of different. Keller Graduate School of Management. Different on purpose. Learn about merit-based scholarships for new students who apply and qualify at keller.edu. Subject to approval and availability of funds for students starting in July 2015, DeVry University is authorized for operation by the THEC, certified to operate by CHEV. In New York, DeVry University operates as DeVry College of New York. Ah, springtime, mower riding time. No, four flat tires. Yeah, my bike has a flat tire. My dirt bike, too. Honey, the wheelbarrow and the trailers have flat tires. Springtime, schmingtime. Ah. Dear, wake up. I had the worst nightmare. All of our tires were flat. It's okay. We use slime tire sealant. Oh, slime makes it easy to prevent flat tires. Time to roll. Yeah, let's roll. Get ready for spring with slime. Prevent flat tires and all of your off-road and trailer tires. Bicycles, dirt bikes, ATVs. Get slime at Tractor Supply and AutoZone. We hope you're enjoying a pleasant Memorial Day weekend. This is Robert Carey, and you're listening to an encore presentation of Rudy Max's World. Call anytime, 800 387 8025, or log on to rudymaxa.com. Once again, you're in Rudy Max's World. 43 minutes after the hour, I'm trying to avoid all kinds of puns, like there's a buzz around some airports. Listen, I teased it before the commercial break, bees in airports. It turns out airports are fairly nice places for bees to grow up. And I know this because a New York-based freelance journalist wrote a, a very fascinating piece in the New York Times. Her name is Danielle Berteau, and she wrote a fascinating piece about um, bees and airports. What is the symbiotic relationship, uh, Danielle, between bees and airports? It's not something that comes to mind to me quickly until I read your piece, of course. <laughs> um, well, that's true. Um, most of it has to do with just free space because airports have a lot of free space. You know, if you're doing a final uh, descent into an airport and you see all that greenery – by law, that can't be used at all. It can't be built on. And so there are many beekeepers who need space for hives, and it's just sort of a natural fit. And this is in a time when the so-called collapse of colonies, this has been going on for yeah. years now, and scientists don't know if it's due to pesticides or what, but there is a need for bees, lest we not have many fresh fruits or vegetables to eat, to put it mildly. That's right. I mean, colony collapse disorder has actually been around for a while, but it really became serious in around 2006. And no one really knows why. There are some indications certain pesticides might be contributing. And, um, you know, so people are very concerned that we're not going to have enough honeybees to actually pollinate, which means, you're right, no fresh fruits and vegetables would be a major economic problem. Yeah. And so um, there are a lot of organizations out there right now that are, you know, just putting hives where they can and, and sort of ushering bees through this time. It actually indications are right now that colony collapse might be on the wane and we're looking at some healthier bee populations. 
Well, I hope so. Before we get to the latest installation, uh, which you wrote about, let's step back a little and look at the history, which I gather began in 1999 in Germany. And it's now, they're now like half a dozen German airports that uh, are part of this program, I understand. That's right. And really, they did it pretty much to use the bee products, the honey and the um, wax as you know the biomarkers. They test them in a lab to see what kind of pollution are, are, is around the airports. Um, and actually, surprisingly, I suppose, um, a lot of them are testing that the airport environmental pollution isn't actually that bad. So that's good. Really? The huh? ones, yeah, the ones in the States, um, none of the ones I know of at this time are actually doing that. This is more of a social movement in a way. Um, for example, the one at O'Hare, that's a nonprofit that's actually a job training program for people who've recently been released from prison. So uh, the one in um, Copenhagen as well, that's also a nonprofit job training for the homeless and for new immigrants. And so there's also this social aspect as well. And then those products get sold in the gift shops at the actual terminals. That is great. Now, when you say it's it's a work training program, are, are, are these folks in Copenhagen and at Chicago here training to be beekeepers? Um, for example, in Chicago, some of them are, but that's okay. an entire production because the company is called Sweet Beginnings. Their products, though, are the label Be Love, and their personal care products like moisturizers. So it's really from bee to on the shelf for the consumers. They're learning about production and they're learning about you know putting together a consumer care product and, and getting it out there for us to buy. So it's really more than just the bees. That's sort of the start of it, but it's the entire process. That's fascinating. I didn't. I didn't know it went to other levels other than than using the open space for the good of the bees, and in some cases, as you say, actually uh, creating retail uh, honey products in sale at the airport. Sure. Uh, is it your piece where you mentioned how many bees it takes to make like an eighth of a teaspoon of of honey? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was like two hundred or something, wasn't it? Yeah, it's <laughs> you know an entire bee's lifetime. That's how much they're making, and that's constant work. So, um, <sighs> and and you know also they have a relatively short lifespan. I mean, they are insects. So yeah, when you look at a a really good jar of honey and you might think, wow, that's kind of expensive for that honey. When you think about the amount of work that goes into that, both on the insect and human side, it puts it into some, some You're context. You're absolutely right. I mean, since I read your piece, I have actually been slathering some honey on my toast. And I go, whoa, that's a lot of honey. That's a lot of, <laughs> lot of bees. You can read Janet's article. Excuse me. Excuse me. You can read Danielle's article because Janet has posted it on my Facebook page. There's a link to her New York Times piece, and you can read other articles by uh, Danielle if you go to her website. It's Danielle, traditional spelling, D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E. Her last name, Berteau, is spelled French, B-E-U-R-T-E-A-U-X. Again, there'll be a link at uh, uh, Facebook fan page, Rudy Travel and Leisure, and you'll see the correct spelling of Danielle, and you can go to her website as well. Danielle, great article. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you so much. Interesting. I love anything that helps bees. I, I mean, I, I have a lot of love for bees. There are, without hands down, there are friends, and I, I hope they thrive and that they're doing it at airports. Nice twist. Stick around. We'll be right back. We'll talk about the Testicle Festival coming up next. To participate in the program and have some fun, call 800-387-8025 or email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. We're coming right back. To 
connect with the program, call 800-387-8025. That's 800-387-8025. Or visit the show online at RudyMaxa.com. Welcome back to Rudy Maxa's World. We hope you're enjoying a pleasant Memorial Day weekend. This is Mary Carey, and you're listening to an encore presentation of Rudy Maxa's World. It has happened. Someone on a cruise ship is taken ill, and the cruise ship doctor has uh, administered to him or her, and something has gone wrong, and the patient winds up considering or actually suing the doctor on the cruise ship, or and suing the cruise ship company for that matter. Uh, the cruise ship company is protected by something called the bar. Well, I'm going to let our lawyer uh, guest explain it. It's a it's it's a barbetted decision that shields. Uh, cruise lines from being responsible for mishaps on the part of medical doctors they retain aboard. Robert Peltz is a lawyer with the Peltz Law Firm. It's based in Miami. He's the immediate past chairman of the National Maritime Law Association's Cruise Line Committee, so he thinks a lot about cruise line law. And Robert, you did a piece recently. It's your assertion that this Barbetta law, which I'll ask you to explain, uh, its time has passed. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Rudy. Happy to be here. Um, the Barbetta decision uh, is based on a series of cases that date back to the 1800s when a cruise ship doctor was literally alone in the middle of the ocean treating a passenger with the few, to few tools he might have had at hand. In today's world, however, you know, passengers watch live TV, they surf the net, they Skype, and they conduct real-time financial transactions while they're sailing on cruise ships on the other side of the world. And it's this same technology also allows ships' hospitals to conduct sophisticated medical tests, uh, onboard ships' doctors to electronically communicate with land, and even send x-rays and diagnostic tests. Uh, this new case, the Franza case, recognizes these changes and realities and brings the law governing cruise lines into the 21st century. So is the Franza case a decision that is going to um, hold precedent over the Barbetta rulings? Well, that's a good question. The, the, the short answer to that is that Barbetta uh, arose in the Fifth Circuit. The uh, federal courts are divided into 12 different circuits that are geographic, and uh, Barbetta arose in the Fifth Circuit, which is uh, one group of states, and uh, France arose in the Eleventh Circuit, which includes Florida. Uh, since Florida is the home of most cruise lines, um, although it doesn't overrule it, it will um, really become the majority rule now. And in a nutshell, what does the Franza decision say? Uh, in a nutshell, it holds cruise lines accountable for the deaths and injuries caused by the negligence of uh, ships, doctors, and nurses. And this is important for the safety of all cruise passengers, since companies which are held accountable for their actions, whether they're car manufacturers or cruise lines, are more careful and make safer products. In the case of cruise lines, this translates into safer cruises for your audience. I can't imagine cruise lines are real happy about this. No, they're not. And, um, you know, there are many provisions that cruise lines stick in their tickets in an effort to increase profits and at the same time to uh, take away the remedies of passengers. Uh, this case will have a profound effect on uh, not only shipboard malpractice, but also other areas where these clauses exist, too. Um, one area in particular are shoreside excursions, uh, and so this will have a major impact. So uh, cruise lines have traditionally said, well, if something goes wrong while you're on a shoreside excursion, even if you've contracted through the cruise line, they have no liability. It's not their problem. It's you take it up with the, uh, the particular on-ground guide company or something. Am I uh, that's, that's exactly correct. And, uh, it, you know, that's basically uh, unfair since the cruise lines end up 
not only design the excursion, they select the people to perform it, they sell it, they advertise it, um, but they also take the majority of the money that the passengers sure. are charged for these excursions. Are the are there many uh, cases involving um, malpractice uh, against doctors aboard cruise ships? I mean, is it one a year or ten a year, or, or for that matter, also uh, uh, land guides? Yeah. Well, uh, unfortunately, um, the only people with the, with the actual statistics are the cruise lines. Mm. Um, it's not like a situation where someone is uh, injured or uh, dies as a result of malpractice in a hospital where there is an, uh, someone who comes and a government agency will come and investigate and there's an actual record. Um, however, uh, you know, anecdotally, based on uh, experience and uh, myself and other people that handle these type cases, there are a lot of them out there. I'm trying to get some feel when you say a lot. Might it be one a month, one a week? Uh, uh, do you have? I, I know, as you say, there is no... No uh, central recording house, apparently, but given your practice, is it something you hear once a year? No, I, I would say, um, you know, my guess would be that there would probably be in excess of 100 cases a year. That's two a week. Well, there are a lot of cruise lines, a lot yeah, of cruise line lot. passengers. I mean, there were over 19 million passengers sailed out of North America last year. This may be wandering in an area we don't need to wander into, and if so, tell me. But for years, cruise line—well, most cruise lines are not flagged in the United States. They have some foreign country of convenience because it saves them on taxes, et cetera. It, does that bear in a legal case, or if they're sailing out of, say, Fort Lauderdale or any other U.S. port, are they are, are they subject to U.S. courts in these cases? Well, if they're sailing out of uh, a U.S. port, they are going to be subject to U.S. law. And so that would account for uh, the great majority of the, um, you know, the cruises, although there are now, you know, increasing number that go on in Europe and Asia. Um, but the, if they sail out of a U.S. port, it would, although the flag uh, law has some impact on the situation, uh, they would still be subject to U.S. laws. Robert Peltz is a lawyer at the Peltz Law Firm based in Miami. He's very involved in maritime law. We appreciate your stopping by. Mr. Peltz, thanks so much. I appreciate it. My pleasure, Rudy. Thank you. Take care. And that brings us to the end of this week's show. Thanks for listening this Memorial Day weekend. Wherever you may be headed this week, travel safe and enjoy. You've been listening to Rudy Max's World, America's number one travel radio show on the SSI Radio Network.